0: Good evening, everybody. Tonight, we have a very special guest, a member of our congregation, and I've been looking forward to uh, this for quite some time because it's a story I don't know the complete details of, uh, but apparently we were instrumental in what transpired in our guest's life. This is uh, Michael O'Donnell, and uh, he is a treasure. Um, He's one of the ushers in our church. Uh, He and Caitlin are... Uh, they've got a little little boy, uh Declan, at uh, two year two years old. And um this is their this is their home fellowship. And he's a good looking guy. He's wearing <laughs> nice stuff. He's I am
1: now Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but he's he's got a story, and it's a story I I honestly this is gonna be the first time I'm gonna hear it hear it in its entirety. I've heard bits and pieces that have intrigued me, and part of it is kind of shocking because um, I, I have this ability, this uncanny ability to forget, uh, when, when someone's in front of me, I'm with you. I'm, I'm helping you as best I can. I want to get you what you need. And then when we get that resolved, I'm on to the next person. And then a year passes and you come up and you greet me in the church and you look vaguely familiar and you were thanking me for something. I, I was trying to piece <laughs> it together and just giving you that, you know, smile like, yeah, no, I. You know, smile, and to, nod, a, smile and nod, smile <laughs> and nod. Smile and nod. And now as it's coming together and watching what God's been doing, uh, I, I, I want to know more about this story. So share with everybody how, how you ended up here. Uh, you, you, I don't care. You, <laughs> this is a story. You Run with it, Michael. Just run <laughs> with it because this is going to blow people away. Okay. And especially now with what we're facing in the country with addiction and the heartache. I mean, you've been st- sending me statistics, and you've been keeping me up to speed. And you're doing your homework, young man. You're nailing it. And I'm grateful for it's the work the you've job. been doing. Yeah. <laughs> but you went from being problematic to being just an absolute treasure.
1: Talk to us. And you've got to hold the mic up. Otherwise. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so... Um one of the kind of analogies that gets used a lot is, uh, you know, I went from a hopeless dope fiend to a dopeless hope fiend. <laughs> um, I, I work now in addiction. So, um, let's see. I have five years. Um, April 4th, 2015 is my sobriety date. It was also the date that, um, like, 20 Ventura County sheriffs were at my parents' house, hog-tying me, because I was a runner. <laughs> um, and and with everything that's going on right now, like, for me, someone who has a record and, you know, was arrested in, in such a manner, like, I am 100% grateful to the sheriff's department. Because if it wasn't for them putting me in my place, I would have never found my place. Um, I'd still be running amok. Um, so, the way, like, when I, when I share at meetings and I, and I speak at meetings and things of that nature, um, AANA... Um, there's kind of a format. It's usually like one third addiction, two thirds recovery, because we want to be displaying the, the positive aspects of recovery. Um, that doesn't mean that that time of my life was a really short time. Um, as long back as I can remember, I was an addict. Now that I knew that what it was, um, I was active in my addiction for about 20 years. How old are you? I'm 38.
0: So twenty years would take you to eighteen.
1: Um, starting around twelve.
0: So, off, okay, so well, I, well, I got you, you had five years I, of recovery. I had Five
1: years of recovery. Okay, yeah. I got you. So, um, when I was thirty-three, I, you know, um, did the detox program at Todd Road, um, and and that was great. Um,
0: for for those who don't know what Todd Road is, that's that's uh, the sheriff's. It's a station. Yes. For the sheriff's department, it's uh kind of an easygoing incarceration area, not real high intensity. Fair enough. I mean, it's, it's
1: not easy. <laughs> it's, it's not great, but it's, I mean, it's County. So, so they have two County lockups for Ventura County. They have the East County lockup and that's like at the courthouse. Right. So like chances are you're not going to be there that long when you're still there. But when you get busted over to Todd road, it's like, I'm going to be here a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Get comfortable.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Buckle up. Um. And uh, because During my arrest, um, I, you know, ran from the police and, and, you know, I was extremely high. Um, I got kind of, they they give you a a different label when you get there. So I had a a black band on my, like, wristband, which, regardless of how it happened or what it happened, it got you kind of extra special treatment from Mm. the deputies. Extra special. Extra special. Yeah. So um, I was put in the Latino side. So I was like the only white kid in the Latino side.
0: Uh, no, O'Donnell's a Latino name.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got a pass in, in El Rio in uh, Colonia, but uh, yeah. that was from my you know, hip-hop and art background. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go all the way back, and I, I wanted, my parents haven't heard this, so I don't want them to think in any way like any of this is their fault. Um, I mean, as far back as I can say, like I said, I was an addict. Um, my first taste of alcohol, I was seven. Um, my dad was putting my sister to bed and he had his, um, daddy soda. It was like Budweiser in a can and I tasted it and a seven year old shouldn't like the taste of beer. I mean, it was awesome. I was like, well, that's good. I took a second second sip. I mean, and I remember it clearly. Um, shortly after that, my mom back then was a smoker and my little sister like dared me to smoke one of her cigarettes. So I'm like, of course, smoked a cigarette, you know, like eight years old. Um, so, I mean, it was always apparent that there was a problem. So fast forward, you know, a couple years, um, growing up, you know, red hair and freckles isn't exactly easy at school. You know, there's a lot of teasing and stuff. Um, I always had a really, uh, negative self-image, um, which just kind of is fuel to the fire. Uh, so we moved around, um, around sixth grade, kind of like an influential year. We moved to Wisconsin um, with my dad's job. Um, all my friends were here. We lasted one year there, moved back. Everything had changed, um, and everything kind of kicked off in full gear at that point. I was about 12. Um, I mean, I, I did speed at that time. Um, marijuana, alcohol, it was always too excess. There wasn't like... An off switch. Yeah. There wasn't a There wasn't a governor. No. What, what no. age was that at about?
2: 12, 12, about 12. twelve. Oh. Okay.
1: Um and and there had been samples like of larger quantity than a SIP before mm-hmm. that, but it was really like became a pretty frequent thing at that age, I guess you could say. Um so that was like junior high. Um and it was a cool thing, you know, like the craziest thing looking back is how you know, like that rite of passage is like being able to hold your liquor like that's as yeah. a kid and and that's horrible, you know? Um and I've wanted to go and you know speak at the schools about this and stuff because it's not cool, you know. It's not I, I just cool I gotta, to have I tolerance.
0: Gotta, I gotta tell you right now. You were you were bummed that you had red hair and freckles. But you know, in Ireland you you would be you know, yeah. on the top of the food yeah. chain. You, but but let me say this:
2: you just moved to the wrong place. I, the,
0: <laughs> but let me say this: the reason why God invented whiskey was to stop the Irish from ruling the world, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, McCoy is Irish to an extent. We got Scots yeah. in there too. And you, you,
1: you know the Simpsons where they, yeah. they go to Ireland yeah. and the plane lands and the <laughs> beer bottles like, I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah.
0: But my my point is, you know. There, there may be intrinsic in in some ethnicities an inclination
1: oh there to these is. things and there, there are those stereotypes yeah, there's know?
0: stereotypes um, and, but go for it yeah and
1: those stereotypes like there's some truth in all stereotypes you know and i'm not saying that to like spew hate but you know like if irish have a reputation of being heavy drinkers it's because there is that genetic disposition to alcoholism which you know that links into my education now as a, a, as a alcohol and drug educator, um, addiction counselor, um, program director in, in some rehab facilities, um, recently and in the past, um, there is that genetic predisposition. So when I took that first sip, when I was seven years old you were and it, it, it tasted good, it was like, I triggered that gene that was always there.
2: Yeah. I, I uh, when I was chief pilot at American airlines, I got to do that employee assistant program. So I got to go to a meeting with 20 people in the room and I had to, we spent about 25 to 30 minutes on each person. And I never understood what you just described, mm-hmm. which was these people had the, the genetic predisposition. Mm-hmm. So that SIP was literally just throwing on a switch. Yep. And for somebody that doesn't have that Built into me. I can understand that. This sounded like an excuse to me.
1: And, and where, the, where you're coming from with that, it's perfect. Because people have this misconception that it is a choice. Mm-hmm. And yes, that first time I took a sip was a choice. Yes. After that, it was an obsession.
2: That's exactly what they told me.
1: Um, alcohol uh, and drugs, same thing. You know, alcohol may be legal. You know, heroin, methamphetamines, illegal they're all the drug. They all hijack the same, um, pleasure reward center of your brain. Mm-hmm. So for an active addict, drugs become more necessi- more of a necessity for them psychologically than food, clothing, shelter, water. It's right at the top of the list. I mean, I will give up a hamburger hamburger for a hit, you know, yeah. starving to death, emaciated 120 pounds, looking like a skeleton thinking I look good in my head because I'm high. Um, and that's just the truth of it. And people don't understand that. And I, and I, I, I don't want to call them arguments. Um, I would call them more of like education sessions on social media of people saying, you know, that's a choice. Like, you know, people don't have a choice when yeah. they get sick with COVID. You had a choice to do alcohol or do drugs or, you know, do this. And I'm like, I didn't, you know. Have hmm. you never like, oh, and I'll ask them right off the bat. Have you never tried anything
2: ever? Never touched
1: hmm. a sip. Never? Well, of course I did. So did I. And that was the last time it was my choice.
2: Okay. Um,
1: So, yeah, junior high, it kind of kicked off, you know, and it was mild at first. It was, you know, marijuana every day, drinking a couple times a week, three or four times a week. Um, And not until later in life did I even realize that that was abuse. Um, Drinking more than twice a week or more than four drinks in a sitting is considered alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, Still to this day, I'm like, why would you even drink that amount? Like that's like the pre-party before I leave the house it was like four drinks. I'll take four shots in a line, mm-hmm. you know, go play a game of pool, take four more shots. And like that Boy. I've already, you know, passed the weekly amount of alcohol like anyone should be drinking. Yeah. Um, so then moving into high school, um, I was, I was kind of torn. So like younger, I was, I was a really good athlete. Um, soccer and ice hockey, like I excelled in. Um,
0: Did you live in the area? Yeah.
1: Okay. I played for the Ventura Mariners um, travel team. Right over here in Simi Valley, Um, they have, like, a triple-A team for for the NHL. Um, So, I I mean, I was good. I played street hockey. I played at the Roller Dome. We played street hockey in the street. I had a bunch of boys that lived in my neighborhood. There was two across the street, Um, my best friend and his four brothers. So we had, like, we had a pickup game every day.
0: So you're competing and still drinking and
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, mean, and loaded half the time. Like, I remember – playing ice, playing roller hockey in a, in a high school roller hockey game at the roller dome. And I ate mushrooms before and I couldn't see the puck, but I was just, you know, running into people and I guess doing all right, but I could, I was. Yeah.
2: How did you hide that from your teachers, your parents or friends or how did, how did that all work So out? there was
1: like, a, it, there was, it's kind of like a juggler, you know, and you can keep juggling it and you keep juggling it. And, and, there, and the addictions right there, like throwing another ball in. Throwing mm-hmm. another ball in, and for a while, like you, you, you get really good at it. You get better and better at this facade that you put off to the world. Um, you think you're better at it, yeah. And 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 for a while, you are, yeah, yeah. Like I How did magical. really like like going <laughs> back and talking to some pe- like of my teachers and and um, friends in high school that I've like reconnected with on Facebook that had no idea like that I had this whole second life. Um, I like was really good at it for a while until. The House of Cards fell apart. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't until much later, um, much, much later. Um, so, so going through, you know, there was always this abuse. I got really bad with methamphetamine my last two years of high school. So high school, um, my, my freshman, senior year. Um, By the way, I'm not addicted to coffee. I just like it a lot. <laughs> and I've actually been working on, like, the caffeine now. And I realize how bad of an addiction it is. Like not say anything bad about you, but like, I had pass like
2: judgment. Or the anything. last
1: like three weeks, I've been really cutting down my caffeine and I stay on the course. Don't talk about <laughs> that. Two, two and a half weeks. I had the caffeine <laughs> headache. It's a real thing. Like I thought people were kidding when they
2: anyway. told me this,
1: but <laughs> just, um, just so everyone knows I can give this up anytime.
0: <laughs> I- <laughs> Let's talk about that. Bro. <laughs> I don't know
1: if I'm in the counselor mode here. <laughs> um, so yeah, so through high school, um, the, the first thing to go was the sports, you know, and it, it wasn't so much an, uh, uh, because I couldn't do them because of the, the drugs and alcohol. It was because it was taking too much time for my life. Um, I needed to have time to party. At this point, I needed to have time to start selling drugs to support my habit. And it wasn't even so much like, I mean, I come from a really good background. My parents are really hardworking. They both have college degrees. My dad has a master's degree. Um, he's an engineer. Um, how many siblings? I have one sister. So older, younger, younger.
0: Did she struggle at all?
1: Um, I like to say to this day that my sister is a straight arrow because she didn't want to follow in my footsteps. Hmm. Um, I have a really good reason why I don't want to drink. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she no, saw it. it like firsthand. We're yeah, about yeah. two years apart. Um, two years behind me in high school, following my reputation. You know, I got in a lot of trouble. A lot of that was the red hair too, and I was like kind of a joker, clown. Yeah. Um, and and later on, found you know that's part of the, the family system of addiction. You know, I was I was the clown. You know, I was the joker, and that was part of my addiction coming out too. Um, that constant need for acceptance. Um, so
0: so parents, they know anything about this at this point?
1: No. So um, they've even caught any? I mean, my parents were. They were
0: kind of clueless, but they'd catch on periodically. They knew so, I so was. So the
1: catch on was, is coming up right there. All right. So I'm, I'm pretty t- intelligent, or at least I was before I killed a lot of brain cells. Um, my freshman and, and sophomore year, I was taking, you know, junior, senior classes. I, I thought I was graduating that year, you know. I was like, I'm killing this, you know. I'm going to go straight to college, like 16 years old. I'm a Doogie Howser, all that, you know. Um, and then I go to my counselor, and she's like, no, no, you still have to fill credits. Didn't tell me I could go to Moore Park like I know now, anything like that. And I was like, What do you mean? She's like, You know, you have to fill credit. So my junior and senior year consisted of off season, whatever wasn't being played, um, three teacher's aid, study hall, and like art. Yeah. You know, um, I showed up maybe twice a week and it was just okay. Like I would show up, I would be teacher aid for a couple classes. I'd go in, they'd give me a stack of stuff to grade. I'd bring it with me, grade it while I was on a good one. Um, and that was just okay. And an A for you. And <laughs> an A for you. Yep. <laughs> you owe me money, you're failing. Like, it, was, it was bad, you know. Um, but it was okay. And, and no one really either knew or cared. They yeah. should have known at this point. I'm coming in in rave clothes once a, once a week because I'm, you know, living at, at, at rave parties. Um, this is when it kind of got caught on. My parents, you know, gave me an ultimatum, like, you know, you're breaking curfew. N- didn't know, like, the other stuff, but, like, you're not coming home on time. If you're going to live here, you have to be home at 10. I said, bye. Went and stayed at a friend's house. Um, they came and took my stuff, said, no, you're going to stay here. I left again. Um at one point in there, they found a backpack. Well, I hadn't slept for days and I passed out like cold. They came in and grabbed my backpack and found, you know, a bunch of miscellaneous substances, pills, cocaine. Um, they thought it was all cocaine. There was cocaine and meth, um, different w- marijuana. They knew it was selling at that point because it was all separated into little baggies. Cause I didn't yep. own a scale and I'd use someone else's and had all these little compartments and all this stuff. Um, at that point they knew it was bad. They, they, tried to crack down harder, you know, trying to help. And it just, I, I was done at that point.
0: So, so at this point, fast forward to, they're, they're, you're out of the house. Mm-hmm. You're melting down. T- take us to, to the darkest level here.
1: We're... So even then, there was always attempts to come back. So yeah. right out of high school, I got accepted into University of North Dakota. I went to flight school. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured, you know, North Dakota, there's not drugs there. I knew there was a problem. I knew there was a big problem. Wait,
0: was your family a church-going family at all?
1: My mom made attempts when we were really younger, um, like a lot younger. Um, but I not went to that Saint you really remember. Okay. Um, so a good, a good. I remember the, the sisters calling me <laughs> evil. Um, well, they were right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. At that point, I mean, it was like. It was it was bad. So I did the CCD, and then when it came to confirmation, that was my choice. I'm like, no. And I was an atheist for a long time yeah. because of it. It pushed me away frustrated. so much. You know, sure. I was like, if that's religion, I don't want anything to do with it. I got you. Um, so I ran for a long time um, from that.
0: So no, your family wouldn't. No, for the most it part, was a,
1: it was a. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The Christmas and Easter. Yeah, CEO yeah. Christmas CEO. and Easter only. But but yeah. here's
0: here's my point. So so you're you're agnostic at best. Uh, but you do know, I got to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. I know I don't want this anymore. I don't have any ability to get out of it. I'm going to go somewhere where they don't do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, right.
0: and
1: that was, it, they it, were it, just worse drugs. So they I do just it everywhere. spent more money and did more of it to yeah. even get near getting high and then found out people wanted the stuff that was in California and, uh, it was bad. So, um, I remember, you know, the drinking took off then people drink in North Dakota like you wouldn 't believe, like hmm. obscene amounts of alcohol, so my first flight my first uh flight I had like a hangover and I smoked some pot. Um, <laughs> I was really good at flying though like the actual operation of the aircraft. <laughs> this is this is he can't he can't professionally I, David I know, can't I know, listen to I know, this
0: and there's the whole FAA side of it going ah, yeah. the rules. It's not working. It work.
1: It's like yeah. I'm so a mandated was, reporter for the FAA. No, I no, can't. So, it's so it's that was 9/11 yeah. and you know the flight industry shut down and I I got my out. Yeah. I was like, okay, this isn't. Yeah. Thank not God he got out. This isn't realistic anymore. Um I came back, you know, struggled for a year uh another like my girlfriend from junior high Her family's always been really close to me and they're really strong Christians. Um, my best friend died around that time. People started dropping. It was around age 21. Um, a lot of my friends started overdosing, um, started dying. Um, like back to back to back. I was working at Whole Foods and half our meat department died. It was, it was terrible. Um, and I reached out to my parents. I wasn't uh, really living there at that point I, I moved in with that other family but I reached out my mom came by and I was like look like Alex my best friend since I was you know three years old there's pictures of us two redheads in the sandbox you know just died I'm mm. like I don't, I'm, I'm having trouble processing this can you find me some help and they did what they thought was best and they brought me to um, Vista Del Mar which looking back now like it was Vista Del Mar that place is amazing Like knowing what I know now, but I was walking in and I thought, you know, like bring me to a psychiatrist. I'll sit on the couch, you know, once a week, talk about my problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They brought me down there. It's late. I'm like, who's going to see me like this far away, this late, you know, I'm kind of not fully with it. And I remember walking through one door and the door shut behind me and locked and they were on the other side. And I was like, Oh no. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I had the 72 hour hold thing and then I checked myself out and I left and I didn't talk to my parents for a while. Um, I was living with that other family and then started going to church with them a little bit. Um, not so much here, but then they were moving to Arizona and I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? Like I was a wreck at that point. My best friend had died. I was, you know, drinking like a lot, a bottle of whiskey before noon every day, like
0: more than, you know, and then tears
1: every moment I was awake. It was, it was really bad, dark time of my life. Um, and they were like, we're moving to Arizona. I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to, up killing myself, you know, like
2: it was really bad. Um, was the church at that time giving you some insight to,
1: they were, they were really Christian. Um, and, and their families were really Christian and, but when they were locally here, it wasn't so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're telling me about this house. They went to find a house and they're like, we got this five bedroom house. And I'm like, Oh, that's really nice. You know, they're like, you think we need a five bedroom house? I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm, like, a mess. They're like, we got a bigger house than we need, so you can come with us if you want. Oh, oh gosh. And that was, like, amazing. Like, I was like, you're not even my family, and you're like, oh, that-, that was my first experience with, with a good Christian family, like, that they would put it out there like that, open their home to me, mm-hmm. and I was a mess. You,
0: you end up in this story, and we're going to be limited on time, so we've got to fast yeah. forward it, but you, you end up you end up getting felonies because you're stealing from people. hmm so, I mean, your your family didn't let you live there
1: because mm-hmm. they're kind of done with it. Yeah. So, so the drinking kind of kept going. Um, I moved to Arizona. I was doing great for like three semesters. Met my ex, who was a terrible, terrible influence for me. We were like, firing gasoline. Um, I joined the Navy. Um, I, I did a tour down San Diego. Oh, so, uh, so you went to Great Lakes? Did the training? I or went you went to, to Great 30- Lakes? I w- I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. You know, got all the way through that pre-training at boot camp, getting mm-hmm. up extra early, yeah, yeah. doing pool training. Last day, they opened up my my service jacket, and they're like, you have a DUI? I'm like, yeah. The guy said over there, it was fine, that you'll write it off. He's like, I can't do anything with this. Pick a new job in 10 minutes. And I was like, Jeez. what? So I was a jet engine mechanic. I'm like, mm-hmm. airplanes. I know airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you worked at airplanes? Yeah, so uh, I was in four, a helicopter squadron. Four years? Yeah, uh, just about. North I, North Island, San Diego? I was in Coronado. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I did that. I was in uh, HS8 uh, squadron, um, search Ever, and rescue. Were you deployed and at all? Uh, uh, deployed at all? Not so much. Small deployments, like training deployments okay. and stuff. They had just come back from like a double. Did you get? Did you get uh, captain's mast for screwing up? Anything? I did. Yes. Hey, eh, um, give me a bump here. Super, super drunk. <laughs> um, one of the petty officers that morning had showed me you can just hit the doors and they open. And I'm like hammered with my friends, and I'm showing them all, and they have it all in video. Huh? And I'm like. I was just showing them we're not breaking into anything. Like, it's all our doors. They didn't think that was, you know, funny. Um, went through that. I was having a lot of depression problems. And at that time. Um,
0: were you honorably discharged? Or did I got a just... general
1: under honorable. Okay. Um, because there was a mental health thing going on. Yeah. Um, I was having severe depression. I remember the, was flight, just killing the flight you. surgeons all. I shouldn't be prescribing you this, but, you know, Captain told me to. So. Yeah. I'm like, all That's right. insane. I was taking Zoll off, and it, I, I hit bad um mm. got mm. out a year after i got out i was in a terrible motorcycle accident i got roofied at sunset terrace my whole left side of my body's reconstructed um your ankles all jacked up ain't yeah it? i mean it's twice the size like my know, whole I left side that. i'm I, there's a muscle here from here missing bone you know you're like there's enough metal in me to forge a knife i'm forging fire um,
0: austin powers yeah
1: the, yeah the whole left side really bad um I was never really into opiates. It wasn't my thing. I was more uppers and downers. Um, the amount of opiates they had me on at the hospital was ridiculous. Um, I, was on, I had severe withdrawals from fentanyl patches. Uh, I had to learn to walk again. It was like you know, about a year before I could walk without a walker. Um, and, and that's when it really kicked off. I remember I was probably like two weeks into walking with a walker. I was at Sports Chalet. Oh, yeah, I think you found a bag I, in the I, parking lot. I found a, a teener, which is a half an eighth, yeah. of meth. Like, really good meth. And I'd done it, you know, back in high school. Let's do it again. I picked it up, Collect put it in my all. pocket, walked faster to the car, and I knew it was bad in my head. I went home, I did some, and I could walk without the walker. And I oh, walked right. around in a circle in my room going, this is not good. And, you know, nine years of not being able to work. I, I, you know, I worked in restaurants. I was supposed to start at Cal Poly. Um, the day after I got my accident, I got roofied at like a going away party thing, um, and and it it just took off. I didn't know what to do with my life at that point. I was like a cripple. Um, so what
2: what was your age at that point?
1: Um, I was twenty. That was that was August fourth, two thousand eight. Um, so I was like twenty six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I had always wrote. Um, you know, creative writing, uh, poetry and stuff like that. I had some friends that did music. So I, I got into that a little more. Um, started touring, doing hip-hop music all over um, Central Southern California. Um, so, performed in Colorado. Um, but those two lifestyles, you know, like to now I up. was using mm-hmm. drugs for pain management. Now I was using drugs to perform. Now I was using drugs to uh, function for an eye-opener, for a pick-me-up, for yeah, a get-me-down, a... For- you name it, I was doing it. Like, there was no natural cycle of anything at this point. Um, which, I mean, like, that's about when that picture was. Um, Let's bring that up. Take a look at this. This is kind of in the height. Um,
0: He's so good-looking
1: this, guy. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Good-looking <laughs> corpse. No, I'm just kidding. I was about 125 pounds so right here. So you look like Skeletor. Um, it was bad, you know. Uh, I, I performed for a while, and then I, you know— Dated some girls that were really terrible for my life. Um, Here, I won't name them. Yeah, some right. some famous people. Show this next. The
0: after picture. Yeah, look, look at the, <laughs> look at him with his family now. There's Caitlyn. Oh
2: my Declan. gosh! What a great smile you guys. And you've been all reconciled
0: has. with your family now, haven't you? Yeah. Let, let's show that picture. Let's bring that in.
2: So my sister was
1: the hardest to come around. My parents. Um, nobody spoke to me the whole time I was in jail in treatment. Um, I missed my sister's wedding while I was in jail. Um, and, um, it was bad, you know, part of part of recovery is making amends, you know, and, and that process went a little bit better with my parents. They were really apprehensive. But, um, after I came back from treatment, um, I stayed in a sober living for like two weeks. They gave me like a two week scholarship and then we're like, Hey, you gotta find somewhere. And I called my mom and they're like, you need to be going to work and going to school and know anything. You need to be sober. And one, one slip and you're gone. So, so this is, this is when, you've, when
0: you've reached rock bottom, you've reconciled mm-hmm. with your family. You, you're now going to a sober living, living facility. After
1: I came back from Teen Challenge. Yeah. Oh, no, well, no,
0: no. Back it up then. Oh, so you did another so,
1: instead. So those couple bad girls, that picture was after I moved back down from working on a weed farm in northern California. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Picked up my first, like, really bad charge, which was they gave me a transporting charge just because I had drugs on me while I was driving in a car. Yep. Um, I had it, it was, That was a felony for possession um, of a controlled stuff, substance. Um, moved back down because I couldn't leave on the weed farm with a felony and probation and all that because then they'd have to search my residence, and they're like, no.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, came back down, and I was, I, I was renting a room in a house with a bunch of addicts uh, over in Thousand Oaks. That's where that picture was. Started doing the music thing again, um, down here again. Um, and it just, it was bad at that point. It just kept going, spiraling. So, so what got you into recovery? Um, so, I mean, getting arrested, really. Um, I that knew it was, was here a in Ventura. Problem. That was here in Ventura. Are, are
0: the uh, Ventura County Sheriff's the finest.
1: Yeah. Um, I, my parents' house is walking distance from the sheriff, so like they had full force. They came the first day to arrest me, and I, the back of their house is on Hills Boulevard, and I yeah. out the window, over the fence, then they up got the hill into Hills Country Club.
2: Now, they to, did they turn you
1: in? Or how did, yeah, how, my, my, uh, my mom had me arrested. Mm. Um, I have, uh, probably the worst charge I, that I have was, I, I mean, I was selling some of her jewelry um, for drugs. At that point, there was the logical side of it in my head was I was going to get them back at some point. Once I could turn the money around, it never happened. Um, I was going to a a girl Bible with some friends and they, we had, we were mutual friends with a girlfriend. We broke up and then it was kind of awkward. And that's when I started coming to Godspeak over at Lavery. I was, you know, a spiritual vagabond kind of looking for a home, Um, started coming there and then all the, everything got worse. And you just come out of prison. You just come out of jail. That was before it. You got to, you got to,
0: you're confusing everybody, bro. You got to tell the story. So this is where I want to take it. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're selling your mom's jewelry. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's jacked up Mm -hmm. and that, that wasn't the low,
1: it got worse. When did you get, that was, that was, that was rock bottom. That was right. That was what I ended up getting arrested for. When she arrests you,
0: you get out of jail
1: and now you're a spiritual vagabond kind of thing? Is that what you're telling well, me? Well, I was looking for something while I was at rock bottom. Okay. I started coming to Godspeak. Like, got it. In Lavery, I was sitting in the very back against the wall, like yep. kind of hidden. Um, didn't want anyone to see me, but I, yep. I, I was thirsting. There was something. I knew I needed something to fill me, and the drugs weren't filling me anymore. Um, got arrested. I, while I was in Todd Road, um, I was praying and praying and praying. I was doing the Bible study there, um, and I was praying, like, what am I supposed to do? Give me some direction. I need some direction. This can't go on anymore. Um and I remember like praying hard one night and I went to bed and then they called for, for the Bible study. Um they would be at random times whenever someone would come. It was super early. Like we had eaten breakfast and I'd laid back down and they called for it, and I was like, eh. And then like clear as day, like, didn't you just ask for this? I'm like, oh. push the button you're not supposed to push, the emergency button. I'm like, Can I still go? And they're like, Yeah, sure. Hmm. Craziest guy I've ever met. His name was Lucky. And he said they called him Lucky because he wasn't homeless. He had a car to live in when he was using it. <laughs> and he only had one eye. Like, he was like, <laughs> like, Lucky. Crazy. Like, crazy. This is the guy leading the Bible study? Yeah, and it's oh. just me and him. Really? Yeah. Like, nobody else showed up. I'm <laughs> like, Yeah. You're and lucky I'm looking now. it up. I'm like, Really? Like, God had to send me someone crazier than me for Like for me to listen. Like, lucky had his life together. Lucky had a wife. They had a house. They donated Bibles to the so the prison, like I was like, man, if Lucky can get it together, I can. I'm like, hey, I need a program. I need yeah. help. Yeah. Where should I go? First time I heard Team <clears throat> Challenge. <clears throat> Second time, somebody from the congregation, I can't remember who it was, was, was serving there. And he's like, I, I'm from God's. Feet. I'm like, I just started going there. He's like, oh, <laughs> Well, like, you probably haven't seen me. I hid in the back and left yeah. before the end of the service. Um, and, he, and he told me the same thing, which I later found out was because Natasha had just gone. Yeah. he's like well we always recommend Teen Challenge yeah. I'm like second time I heard it huh. third time I get out and I come to service I get out on a Saturday I come to service on a Sunday um, and I'm homeless at this point I got out of jail I'm homeless my parents wouldn't let me back my stuff was all in my car the key they knew when I got out the keys were on top of the hood um, and I wasn't allowed in they wouldn't answer the door
0: um, had you stolen from your sister or just your mom?
1: She didn't live there at the time. Um, so during that whole thing, she was in Florida. Um, she had already graduated college and was working for c Just asking.
0: Um, all right. So you, you come to church, you're fresh so out. I, yeah. I, I come you're living in your car
1: and eating, you had a eating government
0: cheese, living in a van down by the river.
1: Not, not even that, I was living <laughs> underneath the road over on Flores, there's like a... Oh, I know where it is, there. yeah.
0: Like oh my right gosh. Well, we got we some homeless. I, I
1: lived in the park next to my high school, because it was right next to, um, uh, uh, where they have all the meetings right over there.
2: Was, was it a situation where your parents weren't letting you back in, because you'd hit their trust so many times? I had a, times? a restraining
1: order, I wasn't allowed to go there. I was still trying to go there, because I know where else to go. Yeah. Um, I burned every bridge in this area. Um, it was bad, you know, and then I came to a service um, when I finally was able to make it all the way to Newbury Park. So I was homeless. My car um, wasn't working right. I sold it to a friend for like 400 bucks. Um, I had a motorcycle that wasn't registered or insured. That was like
2: so you get not to church great, And somehow. I made it over
1: here. And Rob's whole service that day was about if you need help, come and talk to me. I guess there was some gossip going on, and people would ask for help, and then everyone talked about it, and he's like, that's not okay. If you need help, you come talk to me directly, and it will be between, be between us. I'm in my normal back-of-the-wall seat, and I'm looking behind me because the whole time I think he's looking at me. I'm like, do I look that bad? <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, so after the service, I, I go and talk to him, and he's super busy and everything, and he, and he put uh, Pastor Tony in charge of it um and you know I was still homeless for another week or so Tony drove me to do the intake at Teen Challenge Women's Ministry down in uh, Ventura I did the intake paperwork with Maria down there um and uh and they for the guys they send you in the San Joaquin Valley don't they I did my intake in San Diego so it was okay. right back in San Diego I was like hey look there's my base yeah. <laughs> like, it was kind of funny um my sister now lives Three blocks from where I was at treatment in San Uh Diego. So you did the intake there. Did the intake there. And then um, in Riverside is where they have the castle. The castle, yeah. Um, That's where they do the graduation for everybody. Um, So I was in the castle in Riverside. Um, I had a lot of uh, restaurant experience before that. I was supposed to go to Cal Poly for hospitality management. Um, So I worked in the kitchen there. I was a kitchen manager for the AM shift. We did a lot of fundraisers cooking and doing banquets and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, that's good um, food. So, I mean, it, it's a work program. It teaches you how to work while you're in recovery, which is one of the number one downfalls of the private treatment yeah, you industry. Don't, if you don't have a purpose. You sit on your yeah, butt you just and you go to butt. some classes if you exactly. feel like it. And, I mean, there, it's a big downfall to it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a little vacation to sober up and get yeah. your tolerance yeah. back down.
2: How, how, long is, how long is the program? Teen Challenge is a
1: one-year program. So you do it's three months of pro- the intake process. And, and that's a little, like, long. So at that point, like, I had had... You know, well, let me, nine say,
0: Teen Challenge is not a rehab. Right. It's a, life it's a discipleship school. life school. Sure. People coming in there typically, you know, have seventy
1: five percent were drug addicts. Yeah. You know, other life issues though.
0: But, oh, okay. but they're they're looking to I, I want direction and mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of the program. It's not like, oh come in get detox and then you know send and you then on go merry on your way. way. No, this yeah. is this is a reformatting of your life so that yeah. you have there's a, why, there's a why in what you're doing. Yeah. I, I, I love the team Challenge model.
1: David yeah. Wilkerson, yeah, amazing. Yeah. So um, you,
0: go ahead. What are you
1: so, so fast forward now, you know, um, I got stabilized. I, I, I blew through school. Um, I have like four degrees that I got since I got out. A psychology oh degree, uh, uh, um, a degree in addictive disorder studies from Oxnard College. I'm starting at um, Channel Islands for a bachelor's degree in psychology um, in the spring. Um, Things are going well, you know, I have an amazing family of my own now, yep, um which is a blessing you know like i there's something when you don 't feel good about yourself inside when you're doing drugs, everything you attract like the laws of attractions are very true, you know when you don't feel like you deserve anything good, the people you attract into your life are terrible, yeah, yeah, and they just beat you back down, so you you it's this endless spiraling down down cycle, you know it just
2: did, did the people that you went through the Teen Challenge and then come out, did they have similar success um, stories like yours? Yeah.
1: Um, I have. Challenges. I have some friends I'm yeah. still um, in contact with. My good friend Henry, um, uh, his sister then went through after, and she works at the, the women's home. She was here with the girls when they came through. Yeah. Um, uh, I took a picture with her out in the foyer. Yeah, um, we have the girls come every year. That, it, it, well, I, I remember a that. Huge success I, rate.
2: I, I, I appreciate that that insight because, back to that program that I was doing, we'd go around and I hear everybody's story. And there was a couple guys, because you had to clean up. These guys wanted to start yeah. flying again, so. Um, I had a P, the chief pilot PhD and a psychologist, and I'd hear the story. I'm going, God, that's a gr-. after because we compare notes afterwards. I compare the guy that that guy's really doing a good job, and they're going, got to remember, all these guys are professional liars. Mm-hmm. That's part of the addiction is being a professional liar. Oh, a and master then-
1: manipulator. That's oh, yeah. why I was telling you, like for a long time, no one knew.
2: I'm sitting there going, this guy's doing great, mm-hmm. and he would able to sober up, come to the meeting, go back down. And he unfortunately died about two years later on a total OD. So from a novice, from a novice, I'm sitting there going, "This guy's doing a good job." Mm-hmm. And it was, he was unfortunately the worst in the group. So yeah. that 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 um, teen challenge explanation is very How, helpful.
1: On, can we do the last slide really quick? Yeah. Uh, so the the. This is, uh, there we go. Let's so these are the up. stages of change. This is uh, Petroska and DiClemente. They, they figured this out. So these are the stages of change that everyone goes through when they're trying to change something in their life. Mm-hmm. This is primarily used for addiction. So you have um, pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance. And part of that is, which it doesn't show, or it does show on the slide, uh, is the relapse stage of change. Um, so relapse happens, and it's part of the stage of change. So it's something normal that you sh- should expect. Because mm. people are going to have to hit a further rock bottom before they realize, like, going back to it is not good. Yeah. Um, so this is what's so important about what's going on right now with addiction is. So maintenance stage of change is where we want to be. That means, like, we figured out what works, you know, we go to meetings, we You're go to We are doing new behavior, church. yeah. We, we, the biggest uh, 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 negative part of addiction is that isolation is a huge part of addiction, hand in hand. When you get past the party and it becomes something that's necessary, you're not going to a party and getting high anymore. You're hiding in your room and getting high. So when social distancing, I mean, we can just call it what it is. It's social isolation. Mm-hmm. So we're now triggering every person that's out there suffering from addiction now cannot do their maintenance. The meetings are closed. The churches are closed. Anywhere where they have a, a commitment or they have um, 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 accountability.
0: And they're trying to do it on Zoom. They're you can't working do that on from Zoom. home. Yeah.
1: You know, like accountability, we need to be somewhere at a time. There has to be structure in our life. This Constantly. Is, this is devastating to the, to, to the addictive community. The addiction community and the mental health community. Yeah. So I, I grabbed some statistics after you guys had talked to me and they're, they're, they're kind of trying to hide some of the new statistics, but they, they released percentages based on last year of increase, which can give you an idea of it. And these are all from uh, the center for disease control. Mayo clinic has their own, um, uh, uh, website, bank. Uh, periodical um, SAMHSA is the one I've been sending you that I, yeah. I'm on a mailing list, it's the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration and also I got some of this from Physicians Weekly so the overdose deaths in the US from 2011 to 2016 there was more overdose deaths than guns, cars, suicide and murder combined Jeez. Um, 2017 we had reached an all time high since the war on drugs became, began under Nixon in 1971 um, and that was 70,000 699 deaths in the U.S. from overdose. Um, The end of 2017, um, the president of the White House declared the opioid opioid epidemic an actual epidemic and a national emergency and put $21 million invested towards that. In 2018, we saw our first decline since 1971. That means every year the deaths went up. up Until 2018, we went down 4.6%. First time in 30 years. I mean, that's amazing. It was actually recognized. Um, Up until that point, like large amounts of money kept being cut from this fund. Um, 2019, we had another spike, and that was contributed to fentanyl, like hit the streets. Fentanyl is like a... a, Came from China. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's a a synthetic... chemically formulated opiate so like this isn't like you know breaking bad this isn't something they make on the streets it isn't this something is, this, it, is, bye bye. this is this it has to be made in a lab it's super strong like small little crystal of it is the same as like a, a big ball of heroin now right. that's being mixed in with heroin so people are normal amount they're like i normally shoot like i mean we're our own doctors when we're at it right. i normally shoot you know 2 cc's of heroin every 2 hours huh. 2 cc's of fentanyl kills them instantly yeah or it's mixed with heroin they think it's heroin
2: um, is, do you have any statistics that have happened as a result of COVID? I mean, we, yes. we've talked about it, but where are because some of, of those?
1: So 2019, so we're at the highest now ever mm-hmm. in 30, 31 years, 70,980 deaths. And that was attributed to the surge. Um, and that was the year that president Trump gave his third quarter salary to the opioid epidemic. So then hmm. he put his own $400,000 here. Um, so far in 2020, the statistics they used were from January to April, and they compare it to 2019. So our highest number, right? Mm-hmm. 70,980. Deaths
2: are up 11.4%. Just and in those way. first four months. And yeah, and we yes. haven't even gotten to
1: the March. So that I mean, looking at that number and looking at what's different is the isolation. So we can logically deduce that um, because of that isolation... That's going up. The drug use is going up. The alcoholism is going up. Mayo Clinic put out, you know, how to, uh, tackle addiction during the epidemic, an article on it, like fully not saying Mm -hmm. any numbers, not saying, Hey, we're not saying that it's causing it. But in case you're struggling during this time, these are things you should do. Yeah. Um, In 2000, or uh, do the coronavirus economic impact and the coronavirus response that we've been having, so shutting down mm-hmm. all the states and, and our economy kind of um, being suppressed, um, the majority of the states are looking to cut mental health and uh, behavioral health spending. So behavioral health is addiction, mental health is you know depression, suicide. In 2021, so they already see that they're having to make budget cuts, and that's the first place the politicians always take the money from.
2: Yeah you know, I was thinking about your story in, uh, in the the old church and, you know, back in those corners, I know you what hide. you're talking about. You can hide. <laughs> they're, they're dark back in there. Not right not the so door. much any here. But one of the things that I've learned about live stream is people coming up to me and hearing stories. I've only seen you as an usher running. And you, you do a great job. You are just, I had no idea. and And you're hustling all the time out there. And, um, and was so I and, well, <laughs> but, and the thing is just amazing to hear as I, people come up to me after church or on the street and I'm hearing these stories and here I don't even realize that you have the story. So think about it. The churches are shut down. There's not even the dark corner in there anymore Mm-mm. for you to hide at. There's no corner.
1: And they're telling and, us like, you know, to meet in parks and meet out in open areas. The number one reason that AANA works is cuz there's a there's a a level of anonymity. Anonymity is like necessary. Like people yeah. I mean it, it, there's a lot of shame that goes into being an addict, oh, you know? yes. There's a lot of guilt and shame and if you're supposed to be going out and like maybe people in the community don't know you're an addict and you're and they see you meeting with a big group but you know Johnny and Todd or whoever, you know, maybe everyone knows that that person's a dirtbag and now you're out in a park associating with them. Now you, know? you have to deal with that. So like that's there, you know. There's yeah. people that are they're they're functioning addicts. You know, and they know it's falling apart and they need to go to do this. They have careers, you know, like you said, they are pilots or they've been put on the suspension and given the chance to sober Uh, up. When
2: I went into that meeting for the first time, there's 18 pilots in there. I just got in the chief pilot job. I walk in the door and I go, Oh my gosh, I would have never chosen those 18 people. Okay, you make sense. Mm -hmm. The 17 other, I really? So, I now I understand that even more. so. And I know so. like
1: the, the airline industry does have a huge um, outreach towards uh, mm-hmm. the, the drinking stuff because there was a facility I worked at shortly over in uh, North Hollywood that ninety percent of their clientele were, were not so much pilots but uh, flight yeah. attendants. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Every, like We have that, it for each. Your guys' union each is like, phenomenal yeah. for yeah. the behavioral health side yeah. of it. Um, and addiction's real, real high in
2: law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the percentages are the same in each one. It, it, stress goes up and the addiction Anything goes with up. high
1: energy, high stress, um, it's part of it. You know, um, that working in that restaurant industry was terrible for my addiction. Well, yeah. the,
0: the idea, when, when Sonia was on the program, we talked about this, this understanding that we give ourselves to something, it's, it possesses us. Mm-hmm. And, and we become enslaved to it. Mm-hmm. And if we're not operating in the context for which God designed us, something's going to fill that void. And, and you're drawn to that. And, it, you know, the, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but in mm-hmm. the end, therein is death. Uh, it was a lot of fun at one point, and then it was just a living hell. Yeah. And then it gets to a place where it so possesses you that you'll give everything necessary to live in order to have it. It becomes survival.
1: I yeah. mean, that, I mean no, the it's, disease it, no, concept it's, of addiction it's, it's, says,
0: not survival, it's death because you'll give up food mm-hmm. to take the drug.
1: Mm-hmm. But as far as like your brain chemistry and like what te- you have a survival instinct that tells you you need food, clothing, water, shelter, that whole center of your brain gets hijacked by, um, so basically dopamine, you get a dopamine response to tell you that you're doing something you need to do. You eat, you get a little, like yeah, you're saying, you know, like, it. ah, yeah. you I feel did, better, you yeah. know? It one, takes over that whole area yeah. of your brain.
2: The one thing is that we have a lot of people watching that aren't able to go to church because they're not in Newberry Park and they don't have the benefit of, of somebody like Rob in their local area. So what are some ideas for people that are listening to recognize and to, to seek help? What, what would you, if you were to talking to somebody that doesn't have a church or something to go?
0: Before you answer that, I want to I tell everybody, I've witnessed this with you. Now, granted, when you came up and you told me that I connected you with Tony and you went on to Teen Challenge, I didn't recall that. I, it, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, but I vaguely yeah. remember it. But it's really wonderful to see God get a hold of your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're operating not as a taker, but as a giver. You're, 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 yeah. you're now a servant of the Most High God as opposed to being a slave to your sin. Mm-hmm. And and you're a slave to righteousness. You 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 give your life willingly to serve people. So you're asking the question, how does somebody connect if they're struggling with something like this? Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you what we do in the church. Mm-hmm. The minute there's somebody in here struggling, he already knows it. Yep. He just he's like a he's like a dog, uh, you know, a hunting dog. He yeah. just Boom. he just sees it.
1: Yeah. It takes and one you, to know one. Yeah, yeah, and then he
0: gravitates to him and and I've watched him do this countless times. I've never asked him to do it. And, and he's not the only one in the church that does it. Comes up and says, hey, you're struggling with it. Can I help you? Or, or they'll, they'll share or they'll open up or they'll be connected when it comes time for prayer. And you're always offering
1: to be a help to anyone going through addiction. I watch mm-hmm. that. And, and I've told like, like you, yourself and, and some of the other um, um, faculty and and families of it, um, like hey, like send them your you way. Give them my phone number. Give them my personal phone number. I'm always here to help. I mean, you guys did so much for me by sending me to Teen Challenge and, and taking that chance on me. Um, that I mean, it's it's a duty, you know. Um, it's not a duty. You don't owe us anything. It's a joy. Cause I watch you, you, you don't do it cause you have and, and, to. And I don't look at duty as a negative word. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had that military background D- Duty is like a a, a, honor. a measure okay, of honor. You know what I mean? Got it. yeah. Um, it's, it's something I'm called to do. I got you. Um, so yeah, I do this for a living. Um, I, I work in rehabs and stuff, but I mean, for anyone that through the church, like I'm not going to charge you a dollar. I will, Talk to you. I will counsel you. I'll give you referrals. Yeah. I'll get so you to where just, you need to be, so, and I'll yeah. be honest about it. You know, like there was some that came to me, um, and they were really concerned. And I was like, "Look, don't send your child to a rehab. Like, yeah, they're going to come back worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're if, at, they're not at that level yet." If <laughs> yeah.
0: any of you are, are checking this out and and uh, this has touched you, um, and you want Michael's number, uh, whether it's you know for you or a friend or whatever you can be anonymous um, how do they reach you don't I wouldn't do your cell phone, but maybe your email
1: yeah, we could do my email um, so it's Michael Joseph four zero at gmail.com michaeljoseph four zero at gmail.com um, and then I mean if you want to put like addiction or something in the in the subject header so I know what it is yeah. um, or just I just, get a lot of just spam. live
0: stream viewer. Yeah, anything
1: like that, um, guidance, support, anything like that. Um, and if it's something further, like, that needs more assistance, I mean, you can put your phone number in there. I'll get back to you. Yeah. MichaelJoseph40 at gmail.com.
2: And you have the resources like Teen Challenge to push them in the yeah, right I mean, direction. I, like. I, I still have connections
1: yeah. at, at the different centers. Um, I know people that – because, I mean, the addiction industry is it's, – it's tricky. I mean, there's a lot of places that are, that are, will give you great help, and there's a lot of places that just want they milk the money. you. Yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. they'll milk you, and they'll they'll and you'll end up worse. You I, know? I, I
0: served on the city council. You get these residential units, small bed units, and really, some guy came into a really affluent area of California, saw a McMansion he wanted to own. He he put a down payment on it and set it up as a a rehab, and now he's got guys paying thirty thousand dollars to go through this and he's paying off his mortgage and he doesn't give a flip about these addicts. and the neighbors in the community are watching him go outside and smoke cigarettes. They're not doing anything for anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the gimmick. The folks who, you know, rubber meets the road, working, walking you through the toughest times in your life, reestablishing, reformatting, helping you teen challenge. Mm -hmm. And that they're living on a shoestring up in Ojai, with you know, what, yeah. Because Teen Challenge in other them. states, like yeah. they
1: have a, 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 I mean, there is a payment basis in, in the other states, but California is 100 percent free. Yeah. So I mean, we we work while we're there. It's a work program which is 100 uh, percent beneficial towards your recovery. If, if there's a, as well as it supporting yeah. your stay there.
0: I, I would donate to Teen Challenge every any
1: any day of the week, and when they come
0: here once a year as a church, we support what they do, and you see the before and after pictures, mm-hmm. kind of like what we got to see with you. We we see these with the gals, and they're coming up singing songs. That, I mean, it's just so powerful, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not drug rehab. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, a purpose. Life it's a life. It's a Christian life, it's, life yeah, school. It, yeah, it's, this is this is the why and what you do. Yeah, and they get it.
1: If you yeah. have a purpose and you have something that makes you feel good and and you're proud of yourself, you're not going to want to do drugs. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to want to destroy something that you've you've taken time to build up. Yeah, that's. Yeah.
0: Uh, who was it the other night that said um, you 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 love things you know?
2: Oh, it was our uh, 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 classical uh, classical yeah classical conversations. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome, Lee. Lee. Yeah.
0: So, all right. Well, that brings us to the top of the hour. You blessed us, and and they know how to get in touch with you. Mm-hmm. And I just I want to say thank you because just that a chance meeting at the back uh, of the Lavery Court facility and then connecting with you with Tony. I literally
1: Googled church in the area and yeah. I ended up at God's Godspeak. And praise the Lord. like the name and I came. <laughs> some people do, some people don't. It was, it was my home.
0: Well, and we're so, we're so blessed God brought you to us. Yeah. And Michael's being used of the Lord in our fellowship. If you need uh, any help in relation uh, to yourself or someone you know and love or care about or are struggling with, uh, he's ready to help you. So you got his email, give him a, uh, uh, a call. No, it wouldn't be right. Drop him a line. That's right, because yeah. we didn't give a number. So or yeah. come to church and find you. Yeah. yeah. He's always in the back right there.
1: <laughs> if you come on a Sunday, he's... And if yeah. there's someone that, you know, works at any of the churches in the area, you know, like it's a 50, 60 mile radius, <laughs> I'll travel to you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, what a blessing.
1: And he's the one uh-huh. with the stack of Bibles,
0: passing them out. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the ushers do. So yeah. Bright red hat. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So thank you for joining us tonight. A great oh, blessing. For having me. Uh, yeah. let, me, let me say a prayer for the folks out there. Lord, I thank you that you delivered Michael, and you've restored the years of locusts have eaten. And here was someone who would steal from his family. And now, Lord, he can't serve the family of God uh, it, any more than he is. He's just such a servant. Lord, that's you. you, you you completely transform lives, it's a miracle. Someone who has no ability to walk away from addiction, and then the Spirit of the Lord comes and makes a way where there wasn't one, and transforms a life from enslavement to freedom. And then you restore the years of locusts of eaten, you reconcile families, only you God. And so we thank you for what you've done in Michael's life, and you want to do in other people's lives. So in this time where people have been quarantined and sheltered and they're struggling and addiction is rampant, tonight they have heard that there is a way out. And so Lord, please, I I pray for all in the hearing of my voice that they would respond and say, Lord, help me. And in the process, they have a servant of God prepared to receive their inquiries. And so Lord, Please, I pray that you'd make those connections like you did for Michael those many years ago. And so we thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We pray for healing upon the nation and deliverance for the captives, that they would know the truth and the truth would set them free. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, uh, time for the blessing. So let me bring that up there. For all of you out there who had the chance to hear Michael and, and listen, there's a way out of this and the Lord wants to bless you and here he is speaking to your heart. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You know, grace is getting what we don't deserve. You deserved jail time. Certainly
1: death.
0: Yeah, death and your family, all the heartache. Why? Why? Why would anyone want to forgive and reconcile? Well, God gave you grace. First, he gave you mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. He delivered you from from death because the wages of sin is death. And then he delivered you from the slave block of sin and he gave you freedom. And with that, he gave you grace. And here you are, you know, you got Caitlin, you got Declan, you got your family reconciled. You're serving humanity, only God. Mm -hmm. And the same grace that Michael received and what the blessing was that we just read over all of you, it's awaiting you. So call on the name of the Lord and watch what he does. It will amaze you because he's an amazing God.
1: So we'll see you tomorrow night, everybody. Good night.